chose to take a very Eastern form that had all this beauty in it and begin to translate it, be one of the people who's translating it into practical Western language so that we can use it, tap into it. So that's what I found myself doing. And as I started to practice feng shui, I got so excited. How many people here are already well-versed in feng shui? It will really do a good job producing results. It will do that for people once people know how to apply it. So in getting so excited, I started to make note of the stories of the people that I had an opportunity to work with. And it's those stories that put together really the bones of the Western Guide of Feng Shui. And so life has moved on in a great and glorious way. I've, I've for the last 10 years, experienced what Feng Shui can do to one American life living that one personally, and then what it has done for the thousands of people that I've had a chance to work with. So today, what I would like to do is to share with you a very broad brush sketch. This is going to be very broad brush of the history of feng shui so that you get a sense of what's the roots here we're talking about. Anyone on a spiritual path, by the way, artists, designers, people in the holistic health field, people who are on a spiritual path, you will find, and I would imagine that I probably just covered everybody in this room, every one of you will recognize that intuitively you already practice to a greater or lesser extent feng shui. We just don't have those words built into our dictionary yet. So I want to share the philosophy with you. You will notice yes, I already know that, or oh, I can add that to what I already know. And then after the philosophy, I'd like to share with you practical ways in which you can take feng shui home with you. So really my ideal is to share with you things that are ideas and possibilities that you can take home and uh, apply in your lives even as soon as the second you walk into your front door later on today. So the history of feng shui, it is a term that means wind and water. It is over 3,000 years old, as far back as they can find any records whatsoever in China, they find references to feng shui. And originally, because that culture worshipped their ancestors, very much how we relate to angels and to helpful presences that are non-physical in our lives now, they related to their ancestors in that same way. And you know how we'll put together in our homes a little place perhaps where we meditate that's kind of what we would call an altar or a place where we can sit and be quiet and uh, recognize all the help that we're receiving from so many levels. That's very much how they related to their ancestors. So it was very important to them to place their grave sites, believe it or not, in auspicious places on the land. This was a, this symbolized that they were honoring their ancestors and therefore drawing to themselves uh, good fortune via all this unseen and non-physical help. So that's how feng shui began. It began as citing first those who had passed on. Then it got 
further developed so that it was not only citing those who had passed on, but also those that were present and alive on, on the earth at that time. And there, within feng shui, there is this beautiful, holistic, I would call it, philosophy where whatever is going on on the outside, there is representation of that on the inside. So the feng shui practitioners, knowing that environment displayed their consciousness and that their consciousness was always being fed by environment, that sort of yin and yang, the inside of us is always reflected on the outside, and the outside is always giving us opportunity on the inside to grow. So they practiced a lot of meditation and a lot of inner development before they even began working on the outside. Now all of us know about this on our spiritual paths, and the more attitudinally we shift to carrying a very light, bright attitude, that our reality starts to show up as a reflection of that. They were very well aware of that. So the practitioners were meditators. They were spiritual people. And uh, they were, by and large, more centered and more educated than the quote-unquote common folk or the farmers or whatever. So they would bring to a community this sense of presence, and then they would help them externalize that presence by finding a place for them to live that was ideal on the planet. Now, they had a way in which they would find these places, and it's something that we can identify with, is where, it's interesting being in Phoenix and saying this, where it's not too hot, <laughs> and it's not too cold, but it's just right. It's not too dark, it's not too light. We are the Goldilocks species. We are always looking for the just right. And so in Phoenix, what we do is we look for the just right by finding air conditioning and you know, finding where the temperature, because, uh, and we all have experienced this numerous times in our lives, as much as extremes are stimulating, okay, as much as extremes are stimulating, we always come back to center. We always come back to the just right. So these practitioners looking for that just right place would look for what they called the belly of the dragon. Now the back of the dragon was in land form the top of hills and mountains. It's where the wind was very strong. So we have the balance of wind and water. Back of the dragon, too strong wind moved down the mountain, but not too far, not too far because we get down to where it's too watery. So human beings are balanced between the unseen and the extreme of wind and the seen and the extreme of water. And so we would actually physicalize this in classic feng shui and find a place that might look a lot like the seat of an armchair. And we can do this with almost any property just by what we plant and the fences we put up. But an armchair configuration would be where the house sighted so it's looking out to the foot of the chair. And the foot of the chair would drop, and if you can follow this in metaphor, that foot would drop to a body of water. But it would be below the, the building site. And it would climb into a mountain, a hill, a forest, a series of hills that wrap around as the arms and the back of a chair would wrap around to embrace the inhabitants. It set people up to feel the safest and the most comfortable 
And the whole idea of feng shui is to feel safe and comfortable. We want to always be bringing our nervous system back to center. So whenever we're in an extreme and you know, people in our daily lives, in our culture, we end up being in a lot of extremes. I know I do. I live in the very fast-paced city of San Diego, and our homes, our habitats, are sacred to us. Each and every one of us has a sacred place, and in feng shui, that would be called our home, our habitat, the place that we habitually return to day after day after day the place where we can relax, and that place that is like that armchair in metaphor. So this is what the feng shui practitioners of old would concentrate on, is sighting people on the land. It further evolved to then be working with and addressing all of the issues of interiors and how interiors are set up. So it has evolved now into something where even when people live in an apartment building or a condominium and they have no land around them that they can call their own, and perhaps they don't even have a front entrance per se that is there singularly, then you would apply the same feng shui principles inside. So the philosophy of feng shui, there are three basic tenets. The first is that everything is alive with chi. Everything. The second is that everything is connected by chi, and chi means vital energy. So everything's connected by chi. And the third is that everything is constantly changing. Now we know this, but I want to go over that in detail with you. So everything is alive with vital energy.